Welcome to the Church of the Redeemers Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. Don't let anything silence your praise, saints. Not even you. Don't let anything silence your worship. Not even you. Don't let anyone silence your praise. He's been too good to you for you to be silent in his presence. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Receive our worship, God. Here it is. We bow to you in Jesus' name. Have your way today. Have your way today. Have your way today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Touch, heal, set free, and deliver. Right now, wherever your people are, touch, heal, set free, and deliver. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll thank you for it, and we will praise you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. We've started on a journey, a series called Culture Making. Culture Making. And in this culture that God is giving us to work in and walk into, we do four things. We fast, we give, we pray, and we praise. Hello. We fast, we give. You look good, brother. I like it. We pray, and we praise. And in this season, right now, over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about fasting, culture making. In this church, we fast. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, they read as follows. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that they're Fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen of others, but your fast, your father who sees in secret, but by your father who sees in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. We want to see Jesus. Pray that you would communicate your truth to your people today with clarity, conviction, and authority, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Culture-making moment. There's a gentleman by the name of Jim Collins. He's a business author, a business professor who wrote a few books. Um, His name is Jim Collins. He wrote a few books about business and leadership. And in one of them, which is entitled Good to Great, um, and I I use this book because it sort of changed my life when I first read it. it's a book called Good to Great, read by, uh, written, written by Jim Collins. He compares 14 sets of companies in the same industry to each other. And the comparison that he makes to the companies is, at the time of comparison, both companies were in metrics at the same place. But as at some point in time, over a 10-year period, one company took 
the leap and went from being good, steadily good performing, to a great company. Their finances flew and their products were able to be sold in different ways. And they were just a, a great, instead of a good company, they became an enduringly great company. And there were 14 sets of organizations that Jim Collins um, was able to research and figure out what were the commonalities between these companies that he was researching that caused the one company to remain good or to go out of business and the other company to take the leap and become great. The comparison was made with them as a team, and after publication, the rest of the world understood how these organizations were at the same point of success at the same time, but had dramatically different outcomes. In his study, he identifies five things that set great companies apart from good companies. They are level five leadership, the hedgehog, hedgehog concept, or uh, excuse me, a very narrow focus, technology accelerators, having the right technology employed in the right places, the flywheel and the doom loop, or the opportunity to gain momentum with every decision being made, and finally, the difference that a culture of discipline makes. Culture of discipline. This week's leadership moment, or culture-making moment, is focused on a culture of discipline. This culture of discipline is a culture where everything matters, saints. It's not just about the outcomes, but it's about the process that leads to the outcomes. The culture where those responsible for producing outcomes take such pride in what they're called to produce that they track every single detail and understand every step that leads to the desired result. A culture where responses to issues aren't just thrown together, but in our context, they're prayed over. And a culture where people are who are given responsibility and the responsibility that they accept is taken so seriously that the work being done is done with planning and preparation. We're talking about discipline. This discipline, this culture of discipline is a culture where things are thought through and not just done. It's a culture where every soul won is won because the work God has asked us to do is done in a way that causes each of us to pray, to think, to plan, and to act. Write it down. To pray, to think, to plan, and to act. This culture of di discipline requires that every saint, every person, everyone responsible, everyone connected does four things consistently. We are all praying about everything to make sure that the, the things that we sh put our hands to do, in fact, are defined in heaven for us to do them. We're not just doing what looks good to be done, but we pray before we put our hand to the work that God's called us to. We pray and then we think. We think about who should be involved and how we should approach the thing that God has called us to do. Not only, and then after we think about it, we submit our thoughts to prayer again. And then we plan each portion of the process to ensure that even if there is a sense of urgency in the moment, our work will not be sloppy because we've done something 
too quickly. And our plan is submitted again to our thoughts. And our thoughts are submitted again to our prayers. And then we finally get an opportunity to act. And we do the things that God called us to do. And we get to do them because we've walked through the process of God. We are allowed to do them right the first time. We pray, we think, we plan, and we act. And I will offer that I'm not always good at this process. I'm not always good at making sure that I pray and I think and I plan and then I act because sometimes I get in such a hurry to get things done that I just want to see it done. And usually when I put my hand to something before I'm supposed to put my hand to it, it falls apart. But in this season, at this time, and in this church, on this corner, God is calling us to be a people people where culture is created around discipline. Somebody say discipline. Somebody say discipline. God is calling us to be a people of discipline, and fasting gets us there. Fasting gives us the ability to overcome our whims, our urges and our desires so that we as a people of God can live a disciplined life. There are times in our lives where we just want to do whatever we want to do and we submit to the will of our flesh to the point where our flesh gets so strong and our spirit becomes so weak that we don't know how to say no to our flesh and yes to God. But seasons like this where we put aside all of the things that we want to do to say, yes, God, I want that. I want that donut. I want that TV show. I want to look at this. I want to be on social media right now, but I want you more. It creates opportunity for us to live a disciplined life. So when God says no, we can say, yes, Lord, and note, I wish I had a church. We can say, yes, Lord, and no to ourselves. We can say yes to God and no to our families. Hello, somebody. We can say yes to God and no to those who are trying to distract or dissuade us. It comes from a place of discipline. But if we lack discipline, our yes to God will waver. And that's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to a place where we are learning day by day and moment by moment, meal by meal, urge by urge, time by time, minute by minute, how to say no to what we want and yes to what God wants. Last week, we talked about how to fast like Daniel. And over a 21-day period, Daniel put aside all the beautiful things, the good meals that he would have been able to enjoy had he just said yes to the king. Daniel said no, and he fasted. He learned how to fast in his youth and he, or consecrate himself, a life of consecration. And he learned how to fast to consecrate himself in his youth, and he took that lesson and used it in his older age. Today, we're going to talk about a fast like Esther. In Esther chapter 2, it reads, Esther was taken into the king. Asherah into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tebeth, and in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. 
so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave great, a great feast for all of his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. And also, he also granted a remission of taxes for the provinces and gave gifts to the royal, for royal generosity. Esther was the queen that came after the queen. Y'all know the book of Esther? Esther was the queen that came after the queen. There was already a queen that was married to Asherah, and her name was Vashti. Vashti was the queen that was, she was already married to um, the king, and at one point he decided to have this huge party just to celebrate their victories. And as he was celebrating their victories, what he wanted to do was throw off a couple of his possessions, you know. Uh-huh, yeah, y'all with me? He wanted to show off a couple of his possessions, and one of those possessions was his beautiful wife. And he thought that he could just say, hey, Vashti, come here real quick. I want to show off the beauty of the kingdom and the beauty of my house by allowing you to parade before the people. And Vashti said, yeah, no, good brother, I'm okay today. I don't feel like being your trophy wife. Huh, <laughs> I might be getting myself in a little bit of trouble. I don't feel like being your, your trophy wife today. And I'm going to offer that there are some men that still think that that's sort of okay. There are some men that still think that we can allow for the gift of God that God's given us to be paraded around as if we own our women. But God is calling the men of God to actually live in a way that submits ourselves to our wives so that our wives can then submit themselves to us. Say amen, somebody. Hello, hello. God is calling us to submit ourselves to our wives but so that they can submit themselves to us as well. But in this moment and at this time, the way of the king, the way of the nation was a way where Vashti or Asherah should have been allowed to call for Vashti and she could, should have come to him and done what he wanted her to do. But she was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm trying to mature. I'm trying to be another woman. And she said, no, thank you. But Asherah, he felt, he felt like she was disrespecting him. And in that moment of disrespect, what he did was he asked those that were around him to help him figure out what he should do. And all the people that were around him told him that he should divorce this woman, put her aside, and look for him another one. For all these years, Vashti played her role very, very well. But for some reason, on this day, she got fed up with her role and decided to say no. Now, did you hear me read what happened in chapter 2, verses 16 through 18? It says, Esther was taken to the king into his royal palace, which is the 10th month and on the, on the month of Tebeth in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther even more than this woman. Why in the world would Vashti decide to say no to the king when after all of these years, she was so willing to say yes, I will offer, and this is point one, you don't know how God's going to use someone to give you your yes. <laughs> there are a lot of people doing a lot of things that they've been doing for a very long time, and they've been comfortable in them. 
They've been doing them with joy, apparently, or seemingly with joy. But at the right time, at the right place, God is going to allow them to get fed up with the role that they've been playing and decline it so that you can get your Yes, I wish I had a church. There are people that are in roles right now that are doing things right now that they've been satisfied with for 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 years. And in a moment's notice, at a blink of an eye, they're going to decide, you know what? I'm done. And they're going to walk away and it's going to make room. God is going to make room for you to receive your yes. Esther wasn't ready. If Vashti would have walked away before then, Esther would not have been ready to walk into her destined place. But she was in the right place at the right time to receive the promise of God that someone else rejected. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I declare by the power of God, your yes is coming from someone else's no. My Lord, hallelujah. Your yes is coming from someone else's no. Someone's been waiting for your moment, and your moment is coming because God is about to move every obstacle out of your hallelujah, out of your way. Out of your, it's time, it's time, it's time for God to move obstacles out of the way. People are in position, and they should be serving, but they're just sitting. Holy God. Slow down, David. People should be serving, but they're just sitting. And now is the time and today is the day for them to say, no, God's a gentleman. He's not moving you out of your way. He's going to allow you to make a decision to make room for who's, for who's coming next. Vashti didn't get, she, she decided in her own mind to say no to what she had said yes to for years. And that is what made room for her. That is what made room for Esther. But then when Esther gets elevated, she gets elevated. And not only does she get elevated, all of her people get elevated too. And her uncle Mordecai that acted like her daddy when her parents had died, her uncle Mordecai, he was, at, he was in, the, in the city and he had started to learn some things about what was going on around in the temple or in the city, you know. And he found out that there was a time where there were some people that wanted to kill the king. So he, gave, he sent word after Esther got married and became the queen. He sent word. I'm in chapter 3. He sent word to the king and said, I'm sorry, it's the end of chapter 2. He sent word to Esther and Esther got word to the king to say, hey, listen, um, somebody's got a plot and a plan on your life. They put a hit out on you, you know. That's what we would have said. They put a hit out on you. And the, Esther got word to the king, and the king said, oh, wait, thank you. Let me check this out. He checked it out, and he actually found out that what Mordecai said to Esther, which Esther then said to the king, was actually true. So he hung the ones that were trying to kill him. So your protection is coming from those that raised you. Can you hear me? Your protection is coming from those that you've been in relationship with. That ain't even in my notes. Your protection is coming from those that have protected you for a very long time. And your elevation is going to come through partnerships. Somebody say partnerships. Your elevation is going to come now through partnerships. Bishop Jake said it just a few weeks ago. Your elevation. He literally walked on his stage and said, Hey! 
And he was saying, he said, cry out for help because not because you need help because you can't do it on your own, but because you need help because this season you can't do it by yourself. It's too much for you all by yourself. God is sending things to you that you can't do alone. Esther needed her people. She needed her uncle to help her into her new season. And as she walked into her new season, Mordecai was also able to be elevated. And it's a blessing to see that Mordecai was elevated in the way that he was elevated simply because he was connected to the right people in the right place at the right time. (laughs) But then Haman, the king, looks at Haman and he elevates Haman above Mordecai. And for some reason, Mordecai was really happy when he got elevated. But he got an attitude when Haman got elevated over him. He was really happy when he got put into a position of power, leadership, and authority. But when somebody was put over him, he started to question, why is why I got to serve this man? I'm good with serving the king, but why do I have to serve, serve Haman? And he started, there was a decree made, just like a decree was made for the king to be worshipped, and Vashti said no to it. Vashti was supposed to come out on the decree of the king, and she said, no, thank you. There was a a decree that was made when Haman was elevated to say, Haman is to be revered. And Mordecai, after his elevation, Mordecai got an attitude and decided not to revere Haman, he got his season, he walked into his destined place, but then he got an attitude when somebody else walked into theirs. Can I just offer that God does not bless us, and I heard this from a friend of mine, God does not bless us like tornadoes bouncing here and there and everywhere. When the blessing of God comes, it comes to saturate us all. When the blessing of God is revealed in our lives, it does not go to one person and skip another person. The blessing of God blankets the atmosphere for all of us to experience it. And so when it's your turn, it's also my turn. And when it's my turn, guess what? It's also your turn. You can get mad at the elevation that I receive, but why would you do that? Because if God's blessing me and you're right here, God is obviously going to bless you. Why would you get upset about the blessing I'm receiving when all you have to do is lift your hands and thank God for being in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right things? God is blessing in this season, and Haman, or I'm sorry, Mordecai gets upset. But all Mordecai had to do is honor the one that was put in position. All he had to do was simply honor Haman. But no, he decided to get an attitude. He decided to get upset. And Haman gets turned against the people of God in a way that caused Haman to go to the king whose ear he had and complain about not just Mordecai, but Mordecai and all of his people. 
He complains not just about Mordecai, but he complains about Mordecai and them. Mordecai and them, all of them. He complains about all, all the Jews. He complains about all of them. And he goes to the king and he says, hey, yo, king, listen to me. I have a question and a problem. You know, you told the people that they should bow to me, but they're not. There's one guy who's not doing what you said. If you would allow me to give you a gift so that I could destroy these people, I would be forever grateful. And the king said, without knowing really what was going on, he just trusted the one that was close to him. And he said, go on about it. Here's my, here's my signature, my little signature pad. You can use my signature. In that time, it was a singlet or a ring. You can use my signature pad and stamp that decree to say, it's my word, not just yours. So Haman said, all right, bet. Good looking out. Boom. Gave him a pound, and they were on their way. And what happened was, when they left, Haman used the king's ring or the king's word or the king's reputation to make a decree to say every Jew would be killed. Now, here's a problem that I have with this part of the text. Problem I have with this part of the text is because I don't, I don't see God saying to, ha- to Mordecai, you should not honor Haman. I don't see God saying to Mordecai or Mordecai feeling as though this was a righteous indignation. Mordecai was just in his feelings. Mordecai was just mad because he wasn't at the top of the game. Mordecai was literally just upset because he wasn't the one, the H-N-I-C, as they might say. Mordecai got mad because he had to serve someone under the king. And I will declare to you that your haughty high-mindedness will get us hurt. Hello, Your arrogance is going to get someone else hurt. You have, we, we, we have to be a humble people that allows God to teach us how to serve others well so that when God puts us in position, we are capable, confident, equipped, and qualified to serve God as second man. Hello, somebody to serve God as second man. There are too many people, and bless you, thank you so much, there are too many people in the Lord's church that get to a place on the podium and they think they are in charge. But this is the Lord's church. Hello, somebody. This is the Lord's church. And he will stand up who he wants to stand up and tear down who he wants to tear down. And as I lead, as we lead as a team, we lead as second person. God is the joy and the strength of our lives. And the only help and the only hope that we have is if and as we follow God. Mordecai was not righteously indignant. He was just indignant. And his indignation caused a nation, a whole nation, to be placed in danger. So he has to go back. He has to go back. He has to go back. Somebody say be humble. Somebody say be humble. He has to go back. He has to go back to his niece, the one that he raised. <laughs> he has to go back to his niece, the one that he called baby girl. <laughs> 
He has to go back to his niece, the little one that he saw being raised up, that's now in a position of power, prominence, and authority. He has to go back to his niece, and he has to ask her, hey, listen, I messed up. (laughs) I messed up. I said some things, and I did some things that I shouldn't have done. Now the whole nation is about to die. whole nation is about to die because of me. I did it. whole nation is about to die. Can you help us, though? Can you go to the king for me? Can you go to the king? Can you tell him that I'm sorry I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that? Can you go to the king and just ask him to spare our lives? I know he gave his signet to, to Haman, and there's a decree that was made to take our lives out. But can you just can you go to him and help us live a little bit longer? And she says, if I do that, you're asking me to put my life in danger. You're asking me to put my life at risk. And I'm not sure that I'm ready for that, Unc. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm ready to uh, lose my position right now because I feel like I'm here for a reason. And Mordecai responds and says, maybe your reason was to get me out of trouble. I mean, maybe you're here for such a time as this. Did y'all hear that? Maybe you're here to get me out of trouble. I mean, he over-spiritualized it. That's what he did. And he said, maybe your reason is for such a time as this. Y'all ever over-spiritualize something? You tried to make your mistake a holy mess? <laughs> you try to make your mistake a holy mess, and you try to say, well, maybe I just decided to follow the Lord in a different way. No, actually, you decided to follow your own whim, will, and desire. You weren't listening to God in any way, shape, or form. You did what you wanted to do, and you asked for God to bless it, and God is not blessing it. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. But Mordecai goes to her and says, maybe, just maybe, you're here for such a time as this. And she says, okay, if I'm going to be on the chopping block, everybody going to be on a chopping block. If I'm going to be in danger, everybody going to be in danger. So what she declares and decrees, she goes to Mordecai and she asks him, we're talking about fasting, she asks him to tell the people to declare the most severe fast ever recorded in scripture. The most severe fast that is ever recorded in scripture. This fast could literally kill you. Three days, no food, no water. No food, no water. For three days, she says, days and nights, no food, no water. And perchance, the Bible says, and what she said, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days night or day, and my young women will also fast as you do. And when I go to the king, though it is against the law, if I perish, I perish. But guess what? I ain't going alone. Hallelujah. (laughs) She said, go and declare the most severe kind of fast because what we need from this fast is for God to spare our lives. Hello, church. What we need from this fast is for God to spare our lives. Daniel needed an answer. But Esther and the people of of Israel, they needed life. And so they put their lives on the line for God to restore and renew and revive. Saints, I will offer that we have been seeing so many murders in our city. In 2021, we've had 562 people die senseless deaths 
to the hand of murder. We just saw just last week 18 people lose Holy God of Israel, their lives in a catastrophic fire in North Philadelphia. The, po the positive cases of COVID-19 are at an all-time high, reporting, if I am correct, two of every five persons who are tested. Hear what I said. Two of every five persons who are tested are testing positive. That don't mean it's just two of every five people walking the street. That means two of every five people who decide that they have simple symptoms or they've been exposed and they go and get tested. Two of every five of them are, are being positively confirmed as COVID with COVID-19. It seems as though, saints, that tragedy has become commonplace. There are all kinds of diseases, and literally people are slipping away. The economy is down, and people are struggling to get enough pay. But as, as for me, all I can say is, Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for me. If I have an assignment today, my assignment today is get to get us back to a place of thank you. <laughs> maybe just, maybe, I feel like preaching a little bit. Maybe, just maybe, the reason why we're still experiencing this number of deaths that's occurring, running rampant in our streets in the city of Philadelphia is because the people of God are looking to human strategy. Hello, church. The people of God are looking to human strategy. We have not gone to God to lay our all down on the altar. We are looking for gun buybacks to spare lives on the streets of Philadelphia when what we need to do is fast and pray. The Bible says that if my people, y'all know it, who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, only then would I hear from heaven and I will forgive your sin and not you but I the Lord your God I will heal the land the way that we will see lives spared is if we lay our lives down hello church the way that we will see the death angel stayed is if we lay our lives down so that God can be glorified and heavenly strategy can blanket the earth and all the earth will see it. All the earth will see it and glorify God who is in heaven. It may not alleviate your tears, saints. Your fast today may not alleviate your tears. Your son, your daughter may already be gone. Who and we pray for you. <laughs> yes, we do. Your fast today may not alleviate your tears, but it may save another generation. Hello? It may not alleviate your tears. It may not dry up your pain or heal your broken heart. But what I promise it'll do is it'll allow God to have our ear so that we can do what the Lord is saying, not what we think is right. <laughs> My God. My God. Maybe this fast isn't just for you, saints. Maybe this fast isn't just for you. Maybe this time, God's calling you to fast for others.
<laughs> yeah, maybe God's trying to get your attention not for you this time. Maybe God's trying to get your attention so that a life that you've never met can be spared. Hello? My God, does anybody have compassion for the lost? Maybe, just maybe, God is calling you away from your plate so God can get your attention and give you divine strategy to do what only God can help you do. And so, Father, as we fast today, we pray that you would speak to us, Lord. We pray that you would posture our hearts to receive from you. We pray, God, that you would allow for our hearts and our minds to be aligned with heaven. And we would hear your kingdom come and your will being done on earth as it's already been established in the heavens. Come on, church. Pray with me. We pray, Lord, that you would allow for us to not just do what we want to do, but we pray, God, that you would help us to pray and understand what you're calling us to do. And then you would call us to think. And then you would call us to plan. And finally, you would call us to act. I pray, Lord, that a blanket of your anointing and your strategy would fall on your church. As we saw in the book of Acts where Peter saw blankets of cleanliness, holy God of Israel, blankets of cleanliness falling from heaven, and you told him what you have cleansed, let no one call um, undirty. I pray that you would give us strategy to say what you have called to live, let no one call dead. I pray that you would give us strategy from heaven to allow for lives to be spared, for hearts to be returned back to you, and for people literally to run from the corner into the house of safety and we will thank you and we will praise you i pray that you would spare teenagers church i wish you would pray with me i pray that you would spare teenagers i pray that you would spare young men and i pray that you would spare young women i pray that you would spare old men and i pray that you would spare old women i pray that the carjacker would be arrested in their sleep and you would allow for heaven to call a no, a woe to their spirit in the name of Jesus. And that you would allow for safety to reign and rule. I pray, God, that you would open our ears to hear what the spirit is saying to us as your church. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Can somebody clap your hands and give God praise, please? Jesus, 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 Jesus. There are some who are listening and you've, you're one who is or would have been on one of those corners, you know, you know, you're one who might have been outside right now, but you decided to jump on the Facebook and this popped up and you started watching and you know you're in danger <clears throat> and you want God to save you. You want God to save you. You want God to save you, and that's the first step, the want to. <laughs> you got to have a want to. You want God to save you, but you don't know how to get out. Come to Jesus. Surrender all. Just come to Jesus. You don't know how to get out, and that's okay. Just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. If you're watching on the screen and it's you and you want to be saved, you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, now is the time and today is the day. Just say yes. It's me. Put an emoji in there with a raised hand. 
or say it's me. <clears throat> Whatever you want to do, just let us know. And we'll watch and we'll look and we'll find you. We will find you. We will declare. We declare. We promise that we will find you and we will call you. Just say it's me. Just put a, put a hand up or whatever it is. If you want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior for the first time ever today, do it now. There are some, there are some that have backslidden and you've walked away from the king. And it's okay. All of us have done it at some point in time. Reverend Pyfram asks two questions typically when she asks about people being saved. She says, when did you accept the Lord and when did you start following? And that's two different dates for many people. When did you accept and when did you start following? When did you get saved and when did you get sanctified? When did you make him your savior and when did you allow him to become your Lord? Maybe today is the time for you to allow God to become your Lord. Maybe today is the time where you allow God to become your Lord. If that's you... Type it in the screen. It's me. You know what? I've been doing what I want to do for long enough, and I surrender all. It's now my time. I want to, I want to give up. I want to give up. I'm trying, and I'm failing. <laughs> I'm trying, and I'm failing, and I'm done trying, and I'm done failing. I want God to be my Lord now. I want to follow. I want to do what God tells me to do, not just what I want to do. Type it in. Raise your hand, whatever it is, however you want to do it. If you want to be returned. And then there are some people who want to be connected to this church as a church home. You have a church home or you don't have a church home, but you feel God calling you to connect to this place. And Church of the Redeemer is a great place to call home. That's your cue. I said Church of the Redeemer is a great place to call home. Hallelujah. There we go. (laughs) Church of the Redeemer is a great place to call home. You want to join yourself with this ministry as we follow God? Please do so. Raise your hand and say it to me, however you want to do it. Just indicate, because in this sanctuary, God is here. Let's worship as we transition to communion. There is a sweet anointing in